Hello, everybody, and welcome to Two Geeks and One Noob, where we gather friends of similar interest and maybe not so similar and discuss, joke, learn more about, and generally have fun with geek culture. And today we're going over a different Mount Rushmore, and frankly, this one's going to be a little bit different from our previous ones because this is one I know absolutely jack squat about. <laughs> so with that, we're going to be discussing um, Dan's and Caleb's favorite uh, Marvel... Marvel comic book villains, or is that too much of a limitation? Is it just Marvel villains or Marvel comic book villains? Marvel comic book villains. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we had both already touched on a few movie villains from the MCU and previous, uh, episodes. So. Yeah. This is a, a great, uh, topic because Caleb and I are both, uh, big fans of, of the Marvel comics and, uh, I think there's some really, really good villains that we can talk about on, on this episode. So, uh, Caleb, do you want to get us started or do you want me to? Oh, sure. I don't mind starting. Um, yeah, like when we decided on this topic, I literally just turned to my left and opened the long box and just started flipping through to find my list of characters. <laughs> so nice. there you go. So in this case, for you, you have to give the, uh, you have to give the, uh, the the episode or the issue in particular that you're referring to. Uh oh. <laughs> well, most of these are overarching villains from a from a specific arc, not just a single issue. Fine, then give give the uh, the issue range. <laughs> oh, don't don't worry. I've already got it all listed down. Very nice. Very nice. nice. <laughs> I'm not a noob. Cough, cough, David. <laughs> That's okay. I'm cool with not having culture. Culture applied to too. <laughs> Uh, so, so, yeah, I was to say I will um, say that yeah. uh, you are a little bit more more geek than I am on this one, uh, just because you actually have a lot of um, comic books. I I have a few, but not that many. And you actually bought me one of mine, so. <laughs> <laughs> and the one I bought you is one I will be mentioning. So. Yep, I, I had a feeling. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll start off with my more generic villain because he's the only one on the list that doesn't have a specific arc that i'm referring to um but so the first one i'm going to mention is carnage ah there you go and i had to go carnage because i I love the symbiote storylines and all of the different characters connected with the symbiotes and one of my favorite issues which he isn't really an antagonist in this one because there's not really a good guy in this arc per se um but one of my favorites is deadpool versus carnage and it's just the two of them oh. trying to kill each other for however many issues um <laughs> and it's just a lot of goofy back and forth and it's like in one of the fights deadpool like shoves a grenade down carnage's throat and keeps his hand there and of course it <laughs> blows up deadpool's hand and he's like growing it back and it grows back the middle finger first because of course he does deadpool, he's like yeah. don't worry <laughs> Don't worry, I'll grow another one. <laughs> so, um, so it's but, it, yeah, so it's, like Carnage is. A, so it's red on black versus black on red. Yeah, yeah. Nope. yeah. <laughs> it's more like red yeah. and black on red and black and red, black and yeah. red and black. Because <laughs> yeah. Carnage yeah. has a little black on him as well, it's, and they, yeah. But anyway, okay. <laughs> it's around right, the yeah, eyes. Like, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. There you go. Yeah, around the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I had to go with Carnage because, like I said, I love the symbiote characters and a lot of the stories that they're connected to. And Carnage is one that's like 
unlike Venom, who kind of like goes back and forth, anti-hero, antagonist, protagonist, he just kind of bounces around depending on who's wearing the symbiote. Like Carnage is just always a jerk. <laughs> like yeah. he's never really a good guy. Even when he's quote unquote fighting with the good guys, he's kind of like, I want to eat you, but I will save you for this moment. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of in the name. Like Venom is, is yeah. like it can be bad, but it can also be good. <laughs> But Carnage is just like, no, that's just pure evil. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not, there's also like it's not so much me, evil so much as pure overkill. Yeah. <laughs> Chaos yeah. Carnage. Doing yeah. It. <laughs> overkill is underrated, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, isn't Overkill also a char- character in the Marvel universe? Overkill? Uh or my thing DC again. It might be DC or it could be G.I. Joe. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. It's not a character I'm familiar with, unfortunately. But yeah. Um, yeah, like, 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 uh, I kind of compare Carnage to Joker in one aspect, and that is just the crazy factor. You never really know what Carnage is going to do, even when, like I said, even when he's kind of semi helping the good guys, it's still like, okay, how long is he going to help us? Is he actually going to turn on us? Is he, why is he helping us? What are his true motives in this? Like, you never really know what to expect with him. And that's kind of something that stands out for a villain for me is like that unknown factor. Cause if it's someone like one of the more goofy characters, like shocker, it's like as cool as shocker is in some aspects, there's also aspects where it's just like, he's not going to be the guy that beats Superman Mm -hmm. or or Spider-Man rather not. (laughs) Um, It's just like, like you see shocker and he's like, okay. Yeah. Like he, he may like annoy Spider-Man for a while, but he's not the guy that's going to take down Spider-Man. Whereas, Carnage is like, no, he, he could win. He Shocker, you mean, win. you mean the cushion? I got it. <laughs> so are you saying Carnage is, is like a box of chocolates? <laughs> you never know what you're going to get. I mean, that wasn't intentional, but yeah, we'll go with it. <laughs> Considering we're making that reference to Carnage, I'm wondering if there are razor blades in some of those chocolates. Well, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's it's carnage. The the answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, my my first one um, is kind of like I'd have to say it's one that I I don't know a ton ton about, but it's definitely one of those iconic villains that you just see throughout the the x-men comics is uh, magneto no actually that that is (laughs) that is one of my list but it wasn't the one i was going for (laughs) it was uh it was actually apocalypse Mm. okay okay yeah yeah i mean that's a good pick yeah (laughs) because it's like it's he's the first mutant he's the the basically the father of all mutants uh (laughs) uh kind of kind of weird in the in the movie because he you know basically calls himself god but at the same time uh at the same time still a really cool villain (laughs) i mean i wouldn't be remotely surprised to see apocalypse call himself a god in the comics like well okay well being the father of the mutants and like having the range of abilities and whatnot that he had like would it, it genuinely surprise you in any way that he'd be like, no. I am a god. <laughs> especially being from like Egypt and stuff like the, the yeah. Egyptian gods and all that kind of stuff. I could definitely see it, but um, it was just the way they presented it in the movie. But anyway, 
<laughs> we won't go that far. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Apocalypse, like just just the sheer force of his his like presence is crazy because like being able to like shift his size and the technology mm-hmm. he has that like far <laughs> surpasses the the age that he was from. And then I, like the whole age of apocalypse um, era where the, it was basically where they went back in time and and apocalypse became. Um, I, I forget exactly what he like. He became the ruler of of um, the world, basically. Um mm-hmm. And like how it changed all of who the X-Men were. And like I, one of the <laughs> it's funny because it, I'm going to kind of cha- like uh, preview a little bit of the the heroes version of it. But like kind of going and changing Wolverine's backstory in that in the Age of Apocalypse where he, like he gets his hand cut off and like. It's it's crazy. <laughs> um, but Wolverine is definitely. You know, one of those ones that's just like, oh, <laughs> yeah, but I was like, one thing that always stood out to me with Apocalypse was his ability to just like draw out that latent potential of the various mutants and just kind of showing them a new way of using their powers yeah. that they may not have been as familiar with. And so it's like just. The idea is like, okay, you have someone like Magneto who is already considered to be one of the most powerful mutants alive. And Apocalypse is like, oh, that's cute. You're using like a tenth of your power. Let me show you your final form. Yeah. And it's like just <laughs> it's like, yeah, that just the, from hair. There's <laughs> yeah. just that was one that always like stood out to me is just like something that you wouldn't really consider. Um, until you actually like sit down and like just see what's what he's doing and like his his just different way of looking at the mutant gene yeah uh, being the first mutant yep and it's cool too because um like this is this is a part that I never actually got to read in the comic books but I know that one of the the cartoons actually um uh mentioned or like it it goes over this part that I know is actually in the comic books is when um he, he uh or wait no that was that was magneto i'm sorry magneto ended up doing a a machine that was able to enhance their powers mm-hmm. sorry yeah magneto made the machine and they also had him use that machine in that old uh 90s x-men cartoon yeah he brought Where out cyclops, cyclops and havoc, and havoc powers yeah. yeah that was pretty crazy well that's one thing that, that... I find interesting though is how and just, just and this is just keying off my my lack of understanding of the comic comic arcs, but I know from the movies, especially the first X Men movie, they kind of portray things as though uh, Magneto is the first. Like the intro to the first X Men film has it almost presents it as though Magneto is the first mutant. Mm. Um, like that's the first time humankind has seen it, has seen mutation, has seen. Um, these preternatural abilities. Yeah. But then, as, as the films progress, especially into, uh, was it Days of Future Past or Apocalypse? Uh, it was Apocalypse. It was Apocalypse, okay. Yeah. Where they went back to I Egyptian days. Two, and, yeah. yeah, I get those two confused for whatever reason. But 
I like how they tie it in where it's like, no, no, no. It was Days of Future Past where they had the time traveling stuff. True. Yeah, but it it wasn't the part where they went all the way back to when Apocalypse was around. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I get those two movies confused anyway. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, Once time traveling is introduced in comic books, it gets it gets fuzzy. <laughs> fair. <laughs> um, but um, in that one, it's uh, or it's as the movies progress in that particular story, uh, style of telling the story, it makes sense. It's basically they're they're working in existing mythology into that universe. Yeah, uh, it basically explains like, oh, here's the reason people uh, people in Egypt, uh, the ancient Egyptians, even believed in gods in the first place. Yeah, was because of mutants. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that makes sense. And I think with like the reference you were pointing out with Magneto in that first movie, I think it was less that that was the first time humanity had seen it and more the first time in a long time that humanity had seen it because of like, especially during that, uh, that turbulent time period, like anyone showing a power of that magnitude during a war, the army's just gonna be like, Oh, cool. cool. You're fighting now. Good luck. Survive. (laughs) Like, so it's like, I think it was more so just trying to like more like self-preservation and not really the fact that just people weren't familiar with it. It was, yeah, I think it was just mostly the self-preservation and it could be that like in that moment of uh, like that, in that moment, Magneto, unlocks the powers or figures out just the the magnitude of his powers. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's the thing too, is that it, um, a lot of times in the, in the comic books, the way they explain it and in the movies as well <laughs> is that, yeah, the powers start to present themselves during like adolescence and puberty and all that. But a lot of times it would come out in high stress situations where yeah. like, mm-hmm. no, the movies got into that pretty well, especially explaining rogue. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where it was, a, yeah. it was a heightened also, state of of being that, or not, heist, yeah. not a heightened state of being, but a heightened state of, <laughs> of emotional stress. Emotional stress. Yeah. Where yeah. the I mean, powers present that themselves. In fairly good detail with the first Deadpool movie. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that yep. is very true. Right. It's a good point. Um, but yeah, and like in the comic books with like Jubilee and Wolverine too, and yeah, and Wolverine mm-hmm. exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. cut you off jubilee yeah jubilee uh was also in that situation where like um like she was at the mall and she was uh like she was playing a video game or something like that and that i don't know if that would be necessarily the high stress situation or if it was the because uh, <laughs> she was losing at the video game and it started to present itself but then like she got started like uh being chased out of there because she destroyed the video game and then the sentinels came after her so it was like mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. boom that's where the powers really like presented themselves gotcha so right so yeah like i i feel like it could be a lot of like even the cultural time like that could have uh presented the 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 mutations of like back in Egyptian day in in the ancient Egypt mm-hmm. like those were very stressful times so like the yep. the yeah the powers could have been presenting themselves at that point and then and I think like throughout the, the motivation world, yeah. behind the use of the powers played a role as well yeah because like you were saying with like back in Egypt 
they were viewed as gods. So it's like, oh, I want to get a power. And so there was like more incentive to try and figure out if you had a power or not. Yeah. Whereas during war times, it was like, eh, no, then I want to find out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Okay. All right, moving on. What? <laughs> uh, what, what's your second one, Caleb? I'll keep the X Men theme going with my next one, and this one I'm gonna need to explain a little bit. So bear with me while I explain it. Go for my it. My next pick is Cyclops from Avengers versus X Men, mm. and the reason I say this is because it's not the true blue Cyclops that we know from the normal comics. At this point the point that he becomes the antagonist of the series is when he gains the Phoenix force. Ah, And so I guess mm, in a way the Phoenix force is more so the antagonist than Cyclops because that's what's corrupting him. Yep. But Cyclops, it it was Cyclops motivation and goals that he, he was still pursuing his own goals. Even if it was the Phoenix force that was kind of corrupting his view on it, it was still his goals and his ambitions. So that's why I picked Cyclops specifically and with the X-Men versus Avengers or the Avengers versus X-Men storyline, like that's one of my personal favorite storylines because it was such a different take on this concept of like the two different sides of good guys facing off against each other and seeing someone like Cap who is like normally they're like, no, we need to try and save who we can. We need to help them out being like, yeah, the Phoenix Force is dangerous. Kill it. And then the Cyclops, on the other hand, being like, no, we're almost wiped out because Scarlet Witch wiped us out on House of M storyline and we need the Phoenix force to try and like revive our people. And so it's like just the corruption of the Phoenix force and the way that he like started slowly turning on everyone because during the storyline, Spider-Man being just the OP dude, he is wipes out Colossus and magic. And in doing so they lose their portion of the Phoenix force and it goes to the remaining members and Cyclops picks up on this is like, Oh, if I just wipe out the rest of them, I get all of the Phoenix force and no one can stop me. And he turns on the woman he's dating at the time being the white queen and knocks her out, taking her Phoenix force powers for himself and flies to earth. Like, all right, now it's time to get my hands dirty. Yeah. Ugh. Such a heartbreaking uh, series, too. Uh, it's so crazy. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just, it's so good. And like, I agree, it is heartbreaking because you just see, like, Cyclops just at total despair, which yeah. is something that you don't really see from Cyclops. He's, he's kind of the Captain America of the X-Men. He's like, he's always the good guy. He's always got the moral compass guiding him. Like, the Boy he Scout. doesn't really show... Yeah, exactly. Well, well then and for him he's to be typically usually more stoic than anyone else. I mean, yeah. even, even Xavier is more more expressive than Cyclops. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, it's like yes and no. The only the only the, oh, the only real uh, expressions that Cyclops shows, at least in my recollection, now granted less exposure to the comics, is um, duty and honor and jealousy. Yeah. I was going to say the yeah. the thing about Cyclops from from everything I know about him in the comics and the movies and all that is that like everybody hates him because he's so whiny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, he I see where you're coming from like, where he's like he yeah. has the more like stoic I would say he's yeah. more the Anakin of the X-Men. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yep. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
Yeah. He hates yeah, like, sand. He, <laughs> like when it when it comes to <laughs> probably honestly with the, big, uh, the, the big goggle, like yeah, he probably not yeah. a big fan of sand. Um, but it's like true. he only has one uh, yeah, eye to spare. Yeah, he probably hates sand. he's like i definitely think that comparison to anakin is actually pretty apt like he he when it comes to like fighting everyone knows they can count on him he's gonna be the first one in the last one out he's gonna fight his absolute hardest to get everyone out of there that he cares about like he's just a good companion to have on your side when fighting so basically yeah pretty much (laughs) (laughs) um but when not in fighting, it's just like, oh, will you shut up? <laughs> Stop your whining, Cyclops. <laughs> love it, love it, love it. <laughs> yeah, that was like that was the first one on the list. Like I opened up the long box, and that was the first comic there. I was like, all right, <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> I, I will also can uh uh continue on the X-Men route. Um because X-Men just have a lot of villains. They really do. Mm-hmm. Um I feel like X-Men's Rogue Gallery is a little bit better than like the individual Marvel character Rogue Gallery. Yeah. In some cases. O- only barring uh Spider-Man, I feel like. Spider-Man has a really good rogues gallery. Um but for the for my second one, it's uh, Mr. Sinister. Mm, OK, OK, so this is one I am completely unfamiliar with. OK, so Mr. Sinister is his real name is Nathaniel Essex. Um, he is a geneticist. And so he um, he has researched mutant genetics and he experiments on them. And he enhances and he um, combines and he like he does all this like splicing and stuff like that. The one of the first ways I I uh, saw him was he was on an uh, I think it was the Savage Land. Um, yeah. Where he um, was. What do you remember what the the people were called that he was with? It wasn't the Marauders. It was, um, um, I don't remember off the top of my head. I know which group you're talking about. Yeah. It was like the, the toad guy and like, um, vertigo and, mm-hmm. um, uh, the, the, uh, uh, forearms. I, I think that was, that was a guy's name was forearms and he had forearms. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm trying to rem- I can't remember what they were called, but my brother's probably going to kill me. Um, (laughs) But um, he basically, he, he took those, those mutants and he experimented on them and took their DNA and, and stuff like that. Uh, He actually experimented on morph um, for a while and like made him go crazy because he was experimenting experimenting on him so much um basically because morph was he was a shapeshifter um i think basically what he made it like he made him go schizophrenic like he couldn't figure out who he was anymore um think twice from my hero 
David. Oh, okay. That helps. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> okay, so wait, is this the, uh, I'm sorry, I'm, so for those listening in at home, uh, is this the uh, Krakoan Society that you're talking about? No. The, okay, uh, that's something Krakoa, else then. Krakoa. The team of the team affiliations I found, he was with the Marauders, the Nasty Boys, the Intelligentsia, and Quiet Council of Krakoa. Okay, it it must have been the Marauders then. I, I think the Marauders is who you're thinking of. Yeah does it does it say something about where they were stationed or like where? Um, because I know it was the Savage Land. Because the the. The mutates. Oh, it was the mutates. Um, they they were the ones, the only ones who kept their powers on the in the Savage Land because the Savage Land completely negated all their their powers. Mm, okay. But uh, I think what he also did was he he tried to combine the DNA mm-hmm. to himself. Because I think he was originally the, like, a normal, like, he had a mutation, I think, but the the DNA that he added to his own made him more, like, it, it added to his mutation. Because it made his, right. his face go white. Uh, he was, he was basically the, the, um, the vampire version of a, mut- a mutant. Uh, <laughs> he just didn't, he just didn't drink blood. Uh, <laughs> that was about to make a Morbius joke anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, he, um, one of the things that r- just sticks out to me for some reason is when Cyclops shoots him with his, with his eye blast, it, he like, it goes through him and then he just kind of like melds back together. So he has like a healing factor. Ooh. So it's mm-hmm. it's cool. <laughs> he was one of my favorite action figures growing up. <laughs> him, yeah. and, him and him uh, and uh, Sauron, nice. who was a pterodactyl, like half pterodactyl, a, half okay, person. That is not the one I was thinking yeah. of at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The name throws it off, but yeah, his name is Sauron, and he's just that pterodactyl it, man. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's not it's not Sauron. It's Sauron. Is it spelled with a P? Sauron. Okay. Yeah, it's S A U R O N, but it's that's a missed opportunity, Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> it right. should have been. It should have been spelled with a P. That would have been great. But yeah, no. <laughs> Mister Sinister though, yeah. stinking cool. I I like him. Yeah, and it was always crazy to see like who he would end up aligning himself with. Like there yeah. was some arcs where he would was working side by side with Apocalypse, and it yep. wasn't like he was like totally subservient to him like he realized that apocalypse was kind of above him but he was still kind of calling his own shots and stuff as well yeah so it's like just the fact that even apocalypse was like yeah i'll work with you that sounds fine it's like that kind of speaks to his like how strong he was yeah didn't he have like a a different uh side of him in uh age of apocalypse as well like i can't remember exactly Uh... what it was but I don't remember. It's been a little while since yeah. I've seen that one. So I'm not totally sure. Same here. But yeah. Okay. David, can you think of any, or do you want to move back on to No, to y'all Caleb? keep going. Y'all keep, y'all, y'all keep riffing. This is good. All right. <laughs> I, do you have any questions? Do you have any questions I'm for us? I'm just asking yeah. as I go. Okay, cool. <laughs> All right, Caleb, you're up next. He's doing this live. Yeah, you <laughs> So my third pick i went with the serpent from fear itself 
Oh, you're and really gonna have to fill me in on this one, bud. I think that's so Daredevil, right? This, no, this is uh, this is the Thor Ragnarok comic arc. Oh, okay. So the serpent is basically Jormungandr and Marvel. Yeah, okay. And Dang. he like he he comes in like there's that prophecy that he's gonna kill Thor, but in the Marvel version, he's not just a random like world giant serpent thing. Like he is actually the brother of Odin in the Marvel comics and Odin and some other, the other Asgardians kind of overthrow him because he was trying to take over the throne. And he feels like he was usurped by his brother when in fact it's like, he was never really the one that was supposed to get it to begin with. Um, But Odin and them overthrow him, lock him up. He's trapped away, but they can't kill him because of the prophecy that he's going to be, he and Thor will kill each other in their final fight. Oh my so, gosh, I just looked him up. I'm sorry. Uh, wait. No, okay. So he impersonates Finn Fang Foom. Yeah, he impersonates Finn Fang Foom. But, he, but he's not Finn Fang Foom. No, he's not. Okay, all right. But he like has some crazy powers, and he's actually able to create his own versions of Mjolnir, and they're oh. like corrupt versions, and the people that wield them get corrupted and in the fear itself comic arc he gives them to or he's able to corrupt a tuma absorbing man he gives a hammer to the hulk and the thing and there's a few other characters and you see these corrupted versions of both hulk and thing and like just knowing that's like he's drawing out he found a way to draw out hulk's latent uh, potential something that nobody realized the hulk had (laughs) 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 <laughs> so so basically he's the villainous version of the uh dc story arc where uh batman gets the gets the uh the green lantern the, ring yeah <laughs> yeah so, like, the, so he gets oh, gosh atuma hulk absorbing man the thing juggernaut oh oh boy oh uh titania oh my gosh yeah, wait is he, it titania or is it titania or, Titania, sorry. Okay, all right. I just yeah, wanted to make sp- sure I wasn't spelling, messed up. Spelling, <laughs> okay, to, to be fair, I, I wondered the same bit. thing because if it's Shakespeare, it's Titania. If it's if it's anything else, it's usually Titania. Right. <laughs> Titania. Yeah. I'm gonna send you guys a picture of the these corrupted versions of all of the Hulk and the thing because they are nightmare fuel. Ooh. Um, Ooh, but yeah, thank like, you. It's just, <laughs> Like, uh, just the way that he draws out their powers and gives them their own hammers. And it's like that back and forth. It's like even when Thor is fighting uh, the Hulk, he is like, you you managed to push me further than I've ever been pushed. And I'll admit, you've always been stronger than me. I have never been able to beat you. I have to push further today. Mm. And it's just like the fact that he's pushing these characters, like, that these characters are being used to push Thor. And it's like, he's ultimately trying to kill Thor, even though he like, he knows the prophecies there, but he's like, he's still like, I'll give it a go. Worst case scenario. I soften him up for our eventual, uh, showdown, but just being able to bring out these powers and just the sheer level of power he has. And it's like, it's another example of where he combined or he brings together the entire Marvel universe. And it's like, everyone is going into this fight, knowing that they have to, do their absolute best just to like survive this dang oh, yeah man. so all right two quick things 
one, I'm going to go against my better judgment and compare it to a DC thing where, <laughs> uh, <laughs> where like Superman goes up against dark side and he's like, you give me yep. the opportunity to go to my full power. Cause I have to hold back as much as possible with the villains I go up against you. I don't have to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like the difference is that like Thor is having to dig deep and find like a new gear that he's never had to access before. Yeah, just to get through this, because it's like, I know that I'm the only person that is capable of killing the serpent. If I if something happens and I die, the serpent is going to destroy everything. And if so, I have to be the one to fight the serpent in the end. Yeah. And the fear itself storyline is actually one of the first comic book storylines where Cap wields Mjolnir. Oh, like that nice. was the point where they got to they got to the point where it's like, okay, no, we need to like we need to give a few people some buffs in the comics just to get through this. Event. Yeah, yeah. The the other thing I was going to mention too is the the picture that you or the pictures that you're sending us are just incredibly crazy, like. The first one you sent was of the thing and like. Like he looks like he's he's wielding a meat tenderizer. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. And he's like pretty a much. he's like a molten lava thing. <laughs> oh, my gosh, I, I might have to like post these up on Instagram or something to to go along with our, our episode because these are crazy. I'm sitting one of Juggernaut now. Yeah. He's another one that's just like, oh, crud. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Oh. yeah. For those for those listening, we had to do a virtual recording this week. So that's why I'm spending <laughs> the pictures instead of just showing them in person. <laughs> yeah. Those that's are those awesome. are amazing. I love them. Like anyone that is even remotely interested in the um, Marvel comics, like I highly recommend Fear Itself. It is probably my second favorite Marvel storyline altogether. Like I, I have to put Avengers versus X Men above it just because that's the one that got me to the point where I was like, okay, it's time to start collecting comic books. Yeah, um, and that's the one that so you I got have me. to get. <laughs> Yeah, um, so I have to put that one just slightly above Fear Itself, but Fear Itself is absolutely one of my all-time favorite stories. Yeah, that's cool. All right, well, we will move on from there to my third one. Fourth. No, mine. my third. I, I yeah, didn't mention the, the one yet. Okay. Uh, I so, guessed one. Yeah, he oh. guessed one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and you had a better poker face than I did a couple weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So my third one on here, actually, you know what? I will, I'll leave that one for last because you already know it. Um, so my <laughs> next one will be uh, Dr. Octopus. Go yep, on Spider-Man. I knew there was going to be a Spider-Man. <laughs> I knew there was going to be a Spider-Man Spider yeah, on the list. You have to. His rogues gallery is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because my uh, I'll, I'll kind of do a little preview for my honorable mentions. My first honorable mention is actually the group, the Sinister Six. Nice. Because mm -hmm. Dr. Octopus is actually part of that. So, <laughs> But I, yeah. think, I think Dr. Octopus just kind of outshines a little bit more just because he 
I, I feel like it was just more in that that storyline of like it kind of um I, I can't figure out how to exactly explain it, but like knowing the comic book storyline and the video game storyline kind of and they're kind of mixing in my head knowing like uh, okay so i don't know if it was well, like this I, in I the comic say, books like, the video game storyline is like pretty accurate like it's obviously yeah. not a one-for-one representation from the comic books but like it it does a, it's a faithful representation yeah so like most of spider-man's rogues gallery like they start out as friends or colleagues and then all of a sudden they go crazy because they were experimenting with something they shouldn't have and something goes wrong and they want more power or they want to make other people like them or, uh, or you just know, being scorned by someone else. Right. Like. Exactly. <clears throat> so like Dr. Octopus with that whole, and I know we've talked about this in episodes before, but like with, with his, wanting to better himself because he's his body is degenerating and like wanting to be a good, a force for good in the world to help people who are going through these same things, but then it goes wrong. And now he just wants to get back to that, but it just going about it in the wrong ways or whatever. And it's just like, Oh, that storyline is again, so heartbreaking. Mm. Well, there there's, I mean, it speaks volumes to just how popular Doc Ock is as a whole. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, he is arguably the most popular Spider-Man villain, uh, uh, like, period. Yeah. Like, the only other villains I could see potentially competing with him would be, like, Venom and Carnage, because, again, like, the symbiotes are just a really cool, unique um, villain group. But, yeah. like, Doc Ock is, like, if you think Spider-Man villains... Doc Ock is one of, if not the first villain that comes to mind for yeah. most people. He's on the posters. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> yep. And, well, and I, it's like, let's it's face also it, like the latest that... one, it was Albert Molina coming back as Dr. Octopus, like kind of yeah. bringing in the whole multiverse. Yep. Yeah, I loved that. Yep. So good. And but the it, fact that at the, like, he was actually a good guy in the whole, like, the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, he held himself like the, yes. the whole time. Initially, he wasn't like really a good guy per se. Like he wasn't an outright villain. He wasn't going all Green Goblin style, right? Yeah. But he wasn't like he wasn't there. Like, oh, I want to help Spider Man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, he 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 wanted what he wanted, but at the same time, he was willing to put things aside. Yeah, put things aside to to figure out how to get back home. And well, then, he's also smart enough to know that he had to work with him if he wanted to get back to his timeline. Right, exactly. Or to his his world. Yeah. Like he, he while he like wasn't an outright good guy in the beginning, he he was smart enough to be like, okay, like I have to work with you if I want to make this work. Like enemy of my enemy kind of thing. He um, was kind of a begrudging anti-hero in this one. Yeah. 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 Anyway, sorry. I brought in the movies. I brought us off topic. My apologies. <laughs> no, it's fine. Uh, I think it. I think it um, rounds out the the idea of the character. So True. I, I'm, yeah, I'm okay. Well, with that. and like vast majority of people 
in the year 2023, when they think Doc Ock, they're looking at the movie version of Doc Ock. Like yeah. that's kind of that he's become the face of that character. Just like, to, like um, Robert Downey Jr. is the face of Iron Man. Like, yeah, as popular as the character is in the comic books and as good as the comic book stories may or may not be. Once you get that perfect acting choice for the character and they just show how good they are mm. in the movie with the character, they are going to be synonymous with that character. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing with uh, Green Goblin as well. Willem Dafoe. I don't mm-hmm. think I don't think anybody could ever embody Green Goblin like he did. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> but, but yeah. So, yeah, Dr. Octopus, my one of my top four. Perfect. Nice. <laughs> He's a great choice. Like I knew he, I, w- I was pretty confident Doc Ock was going to be on there. Like I was like, it's, it's for sure going to see a Spider-Man villain. I'm almost positive <laughs> it's Doc Ock, but <laughs> you know me too well. <laughs> <laughs> Spider-Man, like definitely one of my favorite characters in Marvel. So like going yeah. for the villain for that. It's definitely. Uh, yeah. It was a shoe in for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Eight of them. Eight. Spider-Man oh. being one of your, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm a dad. I got it. <laughs> well played. You saying oh, Spider-Man man. is a favorite character of yours? I guess spoiler alert for the Hero Mount Rushmore episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely no one's surprise. <laughs> right. <laughs> Like Sorry for ruining it. Many, <laughs> right. You say that to yourself. You're the one that mentioned it. <laughs> you just have two sarcastic friends that'll point it out. Yep. <laughs> and I love you guys. We're so glad. I feel like, do. well, Spider-Man hasn't been brought up as much as Star Wars. Spider-Man has been brought up a lot in our episodes. Yeah. So, yeah. Like it kind of tracks. <laughs> It's Star Wars for you, Spider-Man for me, and Silent Hill for David. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, well, that was pretty spot on. Yep. I don't know if you were going for the fist bump there, but I'll I don't take know. it regardless. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. So, Caleb, oh, back it's over been to you. a day, guys. <laughs> It has. It has. It's definitely been a day. (laughs) So, for my final pick, it is not a single villain. It's actually a group. And I went with the Scrolls from Secret Invasion. Oh, okay. Nice. And just because it's like, that was my, I, I told you guys this. It's like the only realistic threat we can see in the cinematic universe per Thanos is Scrolls. Like, just invading the entire universe and slowly taking over and replacing heroes one by one and just seeing how it was done in the comic books with them. Like, and, and there was also um, that animated uh, Avengers show that I mentioned several episodes ago. Um, they did such a good job of telling that story and did such a great justice to the story and the characters and the buildup and everything. That's like, it's one of those storylines that's like, it's it's another example of like where you think okay this is a genuine concern and this is something that the heroes could genuinely lose because they're just mm. slowly taking heroes putting them in like cryo sleep and replacing them since the scrolls can transform and imitate the abilities 
And so like these scrolls are just showing up and imitating the abilities of the heroes that they're replacing. And they're just slowly like taking over earth with no one knowing what's going on. And so it's just this like widespread invasion that turns into this absolute massive war between the scroll army and every character in the Marvel universe, heroes, villains, X-Men, Avengers, like everyone is having to join together to survive because they're even slowly taking over the the villains as well. And the villains are like, no, no, they're not going to out villain us. This isn't okay. <laughs> and so it's like, it's another example of like enemy of my enemy is my friend yeah. kind of thing where the, even the villains are like, okay, we know the scrolls are a genuine problem. We need to get rid of them. Yeah. And so- it just becomes this like massive, this massive battle. Uh, oh, it's just, it's just yeah. such a good story. So here, here's my question. I have two questions for you, Caleb. Okay. Number one, do you think that, okay, I'm sorry. Scroll that back. Scroll that back. Uh, <laughs> um, if you had to choose like a single, uh, like part of the scroll, do you think that super scroll would be, like, do you think that would be a a good villain to put that on the list, or do you think like just as it's a funny because as you were saying that question, I kind of predicted where you're going to go, and Super Scroll was the one that came to my mind. Yeah, <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> like the only other one I know of because of the movies is uh, uh, Talos. So like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know much about the the uh, Secret Invasion other than what you already described. So like I know of Super Scroll and I know of Talos. So it's like Super Scroll is pretty dang awesome because he can yeah. do multiple things. Yeah, whereas like the other scrolls kind of had to like do some sort of like singular transformation. Is like singular transformation where they can imitate that one thing. Super Scroll didn't have that limitation. So yeah. it's like one of the cooler pictures that I've seen of him, it was like him just standing there. He's got like one arm where it's like it's on fire and the the fist is expanded. So it's kind of like a combination of human torch and um Miss Marvel mm-hmm. on the one arm. The other arm is like a rock arm, so it's the thing there, and then he's like got other thing other forms and stuff over his body. So it's like just these different connections and different combinations of powers that you wouldn't necessarily think of, but then he's just standing there with like this smorgasbord of powers stored in him. He's like, All right, let's go. And so um Funny you, you you mentioned that image because I was looking up what scrolls actually look like because <laughs> I knew they were shapeshifters and the image I settled on and showed Dan right before you started talking about that was that image. So <laughs> the the funny thing is is that that's a newer image of that. There's actually a really old like '90s version of that uh, of him that I think is a little bit more classic than that. Okay, because it it. It's really cool. <laughs> uh, let me see if I can find it, but keep uh, keep talking. Or don't. Okay, I think, I, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm looking for it. Sorry, I got distracted because I started with Fiddle Circle as well. Uh, uh, yeah, like, so, like, this, the Secret Invasion is just one of those storylines that it, 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 the way that they've always done it, it always takes place either during or immediately after a big event within the Marvel universe. And so there's like, I don't remember what they did with the animated show, but like, if we're looking at what's going on right now, like the scrolls have already been introduced in the Marvel cinematic universe. And while we don't 
like the next thing isn't going to necessarily be the secret invasion because they're building up Kang and everything with that. Like they've already teased or they've already said that secret invasion is coming. And yeah. so while Kang is like the current focus, we also know that like secret invasion is very much happening. And since they introduced the scrolls in the cap in the uh, Captain Marvel movie, we already know that the scrolls are on earth. And yeah. so it's like how many people they've taken over or replaced how wide they spread out, like no one knows with the exception of the scrolls. They're the only ones that know how many of them are actually on planet at this point. And that's pretty much always the case in every storyline. You don't know how many scrolls are there until it's too late. And it's like, okay, now we're in the middle of a war. Let's see how this goes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, uh, the only one we actually, uh, there's two, two that we for sure know our scrolls is, uh, the Nick Fury and, um, uh, what's her name? Um, the Kobe Smolders character. Um, Oh, um, Maria Hill, Maria Hill. Yeah. Those two were, were definitely scrolls in, um, Spider-Man. Um, but other than that, um, I don't remember that. Yeah. It was at the end of, um, Spider-Man was it a post-credit scene. I think so. Yeah, because they were driving okay, around. I need to go... oh, okay. Yeah, I need to go back and watch that. But yeah, like if they, uh, like, when you think about it, like Kang is obviously like a big bad, and so like it makes sense for him to be another one that, like, considering everything he's done in the comic books, it makes sense for him to be kind of a follow-up to Thanos. Yeah, but at the same time, it also makes sense. It's like ooh, secret invasion. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, so that leads me to my other second or to my second question is um the there is a show coming out uh Secret Invasion um on Disney Plus. And I don't know if you've seen any of the previews or anything, um but I read a a article the other day that was showing that was saying like people are kind of disappointed with it because it's not going to have any of the Avengers, any of the the super powered people it's more just gonna be like uh nick fury like a building on his character and stuff like that so i was just curious what your thoughts on that were i don't have any issues with that because i know that like at least in the animated avengers show they nick fury is kind of one of the ones that helped get down to the center of the invasion stuff and he was one of the ones that kind of figured out what exactly was going on. Yeah. Um, and so like it, like, and Nick Fury's always like, he's always got a plan B. Oh yeah. So like, it, it makes sense that Nick Fury is going to be the one that the story is revolving around for secret invasion for me personally. Um, well, yeah, I get like wanting to see some of the big Avengers and see some of the cool powers and everything. Like, Nick Fury, at the end of the day, is the spy that knows what's going on in the world. Yeah. He's the one that has his, his finger on the pulse of everything going on. And if anyone's going to be the first line of defense for Secret Invasion, it's Nick Fury. Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I, I think it's just one of those things for me where, like, I, I agree to a certain extent. But at the same time, if you're going to have a Marvel story that is very much Avengers uh like Avengers level threat. You need to have Avengers in it. <laughs> or yeah, at least like a- I get that, but the Secret Invasion is also a slow burn. Yeah. Kind of like Book of Boba Fett style. Like it, it's not something that we're gonna 
in eight or ten episodes, we're going to see the start of the invasion, the end of the invasion, the war because of the invasion. Like right. that's going to very much be a slow burn, and I think it's going to start with the secret invasion show, and it's going to expand and build up, and that's going to be what follows up Kang. It, mm. it, this is just purely speculation. I have absolutely, I, I clearly, I'm just a goofy ginger in Texas. I don't have any inside <laughs> knowledge. Here. Um, I, I'll also add to that, Caleb, that to, to this particular point. Um, and again, not knowing the comics, I feel like I have to preface this. It seems like to build up to an Avengers level threat and to actually have the appropriate amount of build to introduce the concept of what that is exactly. It's not just one character saying, oh, assemble the Avengers. Uh, oh, assemble the Avengers. It's got to be something more substantial. It's got to be showing off what that is. You can't just tell it to the audience yeah. of, oh, that's an Avengers level threat. Yeah. So yeah, because if we look show at like dedicated to it, can actually build up the hype for this and actually make it, frankly, yeah, where Marvel's something where even people who have started to tune out are they're intrigued again. Yeah, yeah, that was actually going to be my next point because if we look at like everything from Phase Four, one of the biggest things that people have been complaining about is just the storytelling. We don't yeah. have that same build that we had from the previous movies are really just the first three phases of Marvel, where it's like in phase one. <laughs> Sorry. Excuse you. <laughs> so it, it's not like the previous movies where we had that big build in phase one where they introduced Thanos very early and it's like, okay, we're a few movies in. We know what's coming. We don't know when this is going to happen. We don't know how they're going to do it. We know Thanos is the end goal for this story. And uh, it makes sense that they're going to do something similar because it's like they immediately jumped into Kang with minimal buildup. And while Kang is, in my opinion, a, a very good next option for a big Avengers level threat, we also saw one variant of Kang get beaten by Ant-Man and Wasp. Mm. So like, th that's obviously not like the most powerful version of Kang. That was the version of Kang that was most comic book accurate. Uh, Picture-wise, but he like power-wise, like it, it took the Avengers to beat him. So we know that they're going to slowly build up to that, and it makes sense that they go ahead and start planting those seeds and get back to what Marvel used to do very well: long-term storytelling. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that so, if they if they do it right they'll do some cameos or some some hints at some things that will get you excited for future movies. Mm -hmm. um, but I can see where you're coming from, where it could be just that's that's what it needs to be is a, a slow burn to it really needs it to up. be because yeah. even in like the comic books, the animated story, like it was like a season, season and a half buildup of them leading to the point where they're like, okay, here's a scroll. Who is this? What are the scrolls? Why is he here? What's going on? Why does he transform into Captain America when no one's around? Like what's, what's going on? Yeah. So like, it, it's always been the slower build because like an invasion doesn't happen overnight, especially a secret invasion. Right. Like, that is not, if you're going to do a, if they were, gonna just straight up invade and attack they just go world war hulk style and just bring an entire army down and be like let's fight <laughs> like <laughs> like so that that's just if they have anyone that like working on the story for the secret invasion stuff that 
has any ounce of common sense, it's got to be a slow burn. Yeah, they they can't do something like Secret Invasion and do that in one season. Like it's got to be a slow burn through like a season, maybe two seasons, get into the movies, kind of like slowly building up, and then bam, we have this massive army. They just took over, and like my, if I was planning this, which obviously I'm not again, uh, but if I was planning this, I would build it up Silly to this ginger. big moment, and we would have the, <laughs> uh, uh, we would have that big Infinity War moment where the heroes are like hurting, they're reeling, they had to retreat, they're like just maybe even off world, just sitting there like, what do we do? We see the scrolls on earth, like having taken over, they've won the first round. They, they're feeling good about themselves. And then we go into the end game round of uh, the second movie. And that's when we have the big climactic build, the fight, the big finish to the scroll invasion. Earth gets taken back from the scrolls, but trust in everyone is gone. Yeah. Cause yeah. it goes from oh the secret invasion into the dark Avengers story because it's like, okay, we can't trust the Avengers because they screwed up. They let this invasion happen. And so, like, there's just so much that they can do with this that if they don't do the slow burn and don't do this build correctly, there's absolutely no point in doing this storyline, period. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Dark Avengers would be such a great show or movie. <laughs> I don't know. I'd still like, want and, to see the end storylines played out as a kind of a whatever the Marvel equi- equivalent of an Elseworlds uh, miniseries. Mm. that could be interesting i do want to point out that the guy in the group that has talked about marvel fatigue the most is the one that just said he wants two movies out of the storyline <laughs> <laughs> yep well see because you want it done right though like yeah there's a difference between marvel fatigue uh, like superhero movie fatigue and wanting the right movie yeah yeah <laughs> like this is my top three marvel stories yeah like it's Avengers versus X-Men fear itself, secret invasion. Yeah. So like I clearly have a lot of love and respect for this storyline. If they're going to be teasing this and they're going to start building up to this, it has to be done right. Period. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to mention my last one really quickly, and then we'll do a couple of honorable mentions. And if David has anything else, uh, we'll we'll cover that, too. But uh, we're we're right about that time. So we'll. uh, (laughs) We'll. um, We can make it a longer episode if we need. (laughs) Yeah. No, No, we've been going longer lately. (laughs) This has been a fun discussion. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, my last one is obviously going back to X-Men Magneto. He I think he was the most classic X-Men villain. where, you know, him being Xavier's friend and uh, being able to negate a lot of the X-Men's powers and, and stuff like that. I think he just had a lot of of oomph in that in that storyline. Um, mm-hmm. And the fact that he was like consistently again, like that's a, a big thing for me is consistency in, in uh, villains and heroes. Um, but yeah, I think he's definitely one of my favorites. Um, yeah, but yeah, it was like Magneto was always there and even going like, he's one of the mutant slash villain slash characters that survived almost all of the big storylines. Yeah. He survived house of them where his daughter wiped out almost everyone. And granted, you could say that's partly because of the helmet he has. Um, 
mm. like kind of preventing the psychic powers. So like, I don't know if it, that would necessarily work against powers to the scale of Scarlet Witch, but yeah, like it, it may, may or may not be connected, but like he survives house of M he survives the Avengers versus X-Men. He survives apocalypse. Like it's just Magneto is just always present. Yeah. He's always that looming threat. Yeah. And, and who knows, maybe the whole house of M thing was because it was his daughter. It could True. be like yeah. a negation of that that particular power because it was part of his DNA. <laughs> but who knows? Or she like she was the or like maybe she spared him knowing that like she could keep him in check pretty easy. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah, that too. <laughs> um, it's funny too because thinking about like the movies and stuff, or uh, yeah, the movies where they were talking about like levels of mutant uh, genes and stuff. It's like, so Magneto and Xavier and gene were all the level five mutants. That's what, um, uh, it wasn't Psylocke. It was, um, Acolyte. I think it was no, not Acolyte. Uh, Callisto. She was the yeah, one yeah, yeah. that was like, I, I feel the, uh, the levels of, <laughs> of, 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 uh, mutants. So those three were the, the level five mutants were, which were supposedly like the most powerful mutants, but with Scarlet, Witch, like that means that she's gotta be a higher level than that. <laughs> or at yeah, least just like, point. Well, and granted, like, that was like that's a movie thing where she starts talking about the power level system that they introduced. That's not, to my knowledge, that isn't a comic book thing that they've introduced, at least not in any other comic books I've seen. And it's like I think, in at least for the comic book side of things, Magneto and Charles are like some of that like absolute top tier, and then there's just that like triple S tier that is Scarlet Witch. Yeah. <laughs> yep, she's just in a class of her own because. Like, there's really, like, her powers are almost limitless. Not quite limitless, but not far from it. Yeah. yeah. Pretty close. And it, it makes you wonder, too, like, her going up against Miss Marvel, or uh, uh, Captain Marvel. Like, I know she did that a little bit in in uh, Multiverse of Madness, but that wasn't mm-hmm. Carol Danvers. That was yeah. That was the other one. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't remember her name. Um, but like, I know you're, yeah, I know you're, t- I can't remember her name off the top of my head either. Yeah. Well, like, that's the interesting thing though, is like, at least comic book wise, Carol Danvers was never like one of the absolute top of the top heroes either. That's what I didn't, uh, that's what I thought as well. Like, I didn't think she like, was they, super. They've recently started trying to give her all these buffs and saying she can wield Mjolnir and do this and this and this. I'm like, no, you're just artificially inflating her. Yeah. She's like, it, it, like she was one of the answers like with a f- single scroll and fighting, but she was never like, she, she wasn't on the same level of like Thor. Yeah. Like Thor was always one of the top, one of one of, if not the top heroes. And like, she wasn't a bad character, but she was like more so like a B class character like yeah, she was yeah. never one of the the tops 
she, she was powerful in her own right, but now they're changing her to be something else entirely. Yeah. And, right, exactly. And even considering in the comic books, like, Rogue took her powers away. <laughs> yeah. And Rogue well, was like, not that powerful at the time. Like, <laughs> I watched a comic book recently, or I, I was watching this video on YouTube recently of, like, and the, the reason I clicked on it was the title was Spider-Man Humbles the Avengers. <laughs> and <laughs> in it, he just throws a web pill capsule in her mouth and it explodes and covers her mouth with web he's like don't worry it'll dissolve in 16 seconds and he just swings off like nothing was going on she's sitting there like oh crap oh crap what do i do <laughs> you know, like he like humbled her just by throwing a pill in her mouth with the web pill and just swings off like nothing happened so it's like again like she's she is strong in her own right not taking anything away from her but she's definitely not uh scarlet witch level i would argue she's not even magneto level no i don't think so either because magneto is like like you were saying, like Magneto is just like one of the big bads for the X-Men. Yeah. Definitely. All right. On to honorable mentions. Uh, I have a I have a full list here. Um, I do want to shout out. Yeah, <laughs> I do want to shout out nah. uh, my brother. I, I asked him to give his top four. Um, Adam sent uh, a group as well of the hand from Daredevil. Uh, mm. He also said Apocalypse, Bullseye, and then the Phalanx, which is one I didn't think of. Um, oh, that's an interesting one. Yeah, Phalanx from so uh, from um, Punisher. The, no, no, the Phalanx was a um, a techno organic, like it was robotic. Um, but it was like nano, uh, nanobots almost that would, um, like make up one being or multiple beings, but it was like big versions of it. Um, there was one that was, that ended up turning onto the good side. And I, uh, I can't remember what his name was, but, um, it might have actually just been Phalanx, but <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a is a crazy storyline though. Like um, the mutants were infected with all like with a techno organic virus, and the Phalanx um, I think caused it, if I'm remembering correctly. Um. Hmm. I had like. Phalanx isn't one that like comes to mind often, but then when someone mentions it, I'm like, oh yeah, that is a really good one, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Um, uh, where is it? So Phalanx <laughs> is a race, uh, humanoid, techno organic. Yeah, okay, I was right. Um. Okay, so just just as a uh, um, uh, description for you, David, um, the Phalanx are an alien race who were thought to be an offshoot of the Technarchy. I don't know what that is. Bent on conquering worlds, it's a it is a techno organic race which had been captured by the Kree Empire along with other hive species to weaponize them and use them against rival empires. Um, they they're. Do you know what the Borg are? Yeah. 
they're kind of like that without the human side of it. Got it. <laughs> so they assimilate worlds and they, uh, you know, just yeah. make everything a part of themselves. Okay. So, so it's like, sort of like a cross between uh, Cybertron and the Borg. Uh, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. In a way. Nice. Well, not really, but <laughs> you catch my meaning. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, some of my some of my other ones were the Phoenix, uh, Doctor Doom, Kingpin, Sabretooth, Green Goblin, Morbius, um, and Bullseye, which that one was one of Adams as well. But nice. and then the Sinister Six I had said before, but <laughs> okay, those were my honorable mentions. <laughs> nice. So I like this. I like all of those options. I'm the. I've got a few honorable mentions as well. I, I want to start off with Ultron because, like, we didn't mention him. He's more so, like, good in the movies. I, I'm not familiar with him in the comics, so that was part of why I didn't really mention him. Yeah, I that's, really read that's why comics. I didn't put it on, on either of my lists either because I didn't know much in the comic books. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but for my honorable mentions, I have Ultron, Galactus, Doctor Doom, mm-hmm. and uh, Juggernaut. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> I I I do love Juggernaut as a as a villain because of the relationship with uh Xavier and him. I I like the fact that they're <laughs> they're half brothers. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just like and Juggernaut's just always an interesting character. It's like he's another one that's like he's not crazy, but it's like once he starts moving, you're screwed. Yeah. <laughs> like that's it. <laughs> And it's right. just it just I would, like when I see him in like movies and comics and shows and stuff, I kind of have Deadpool's reactions. <gasps> the Juggernauts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Real quick trivia for for David. Do you know the uh, Muffin Man? The Muffin Man. <laughs> <laughs> the Muffin Man. The Muffin Man. <laughs> we've been friends for too long to have said that in stereo yep. <laughs> <laughs> all right trivia for david juggernaut <laughs> do you know that he uh where he gets his powers being from x-men do you know where he gets his powers the fact that you're asking this tells me automatically it probably is not because of a mutant gene that's inherent to him <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to see if you knew. I don't. Okay, but I will stand by that previous statement. Yeah. No, he is not a mutant. He gets his powers from the crystal of Caleb. Remind me what it's called. <laughs> it's the crystal oh, of. Put me on the spot. I forgot. Hold on. <laughs> oh man, ah. uh, it was it was on the tip of my tongue, and then I I forgot it. It was like the. It starts with a C, I think. Dan, you don't have a piercing. No, I don't have a piercing. <laughs> and usually that's a gem, not a crystal. <laughs> uh, Editing. The crimson gem of Sidorak. Sidorak, yeah. Sidorak, yeah. Yeah. So it's a it's a mythological or not mythological. Um. Uh. Uh. It's a mystical. Relic. That's okay. the word I was looking for. Mystical gem that uh, gives him his powers um, of invulnerability. And when he moves, if he gains any momentum, you can't stop him. Gotcha. So, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Trivia for David. 
there is a big fight between Juggernaut and Colossus, and Colossus managed to come out on top and beat Juggernaut, and the crystal shifted the powers from Juggernaut to Colossus. So he had his already his metallic body and his super strength and gained Colossus's powers on top of that. And he even took Colossus's helmet to help him just have that much more like strength and durability when fighting. And so he was just running around with Juggernaut's helmet, being able to do Colossus and Juggernaut things simultaneously. <laughs> Dude, is that the oh the one that was from uh the the contest of champions? Uh, the the game, uh, the the uh, the app. I don't, I don't, I didn't play that one, so I'm not sure. I know that there was a comic arc where Colossus got those powers. Yeah, I think I might have a a version of it. I may have to throw that up on uh, um Instagram as well. <laughs> Okay, so in Uncanny X-Men number 543, back in the 60s, Colossus becomes the new juggernaut after dealing, after making a deal with Sidorak, and the X-Men's strongest member becomes the unstoppable rampaging Unstop- monster. Unstoppable Colossus. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome so cool. and terrifying at the same time. Yeah, it's just like Colossus was really the only person at least within the x-men world that could do anything with juggernaut and so for him to get juggernaut's powers it's like oh oh you just want the world to burn don't you (laughs) (laughs) and and you describing this the only image i have in my head is colossus from deadpool voiced by um the same voice actor as the heavy in um and team fortress 2 oh yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) And see, all I can think of when you when you said that was the boulder. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. Oh, he was very stoppable. <laughs> he was extremely stoppable, as it turns out. <laughs> all right. Any any more, uh, Caleb? Uh, uh, Ronan was the last one that I had for ah, my list. Okay. okay. So we're counting anti-heroes in this one then. Uh Ronan is the uh Ronan the Accuser from Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, from the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Not the Hawkeye character. Okay. That they're in yeah, the confusion. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> now Ronan the Accuser was most certainly not an anti-hero. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> yeah, no, he was the one that had the the power stone and stuck it to his hammer and yeah. yeah. Okay. You called me boy from the la- for the last time. <laughs> He's another example of if you live long enough as a Lord of the Rings elf, you become yep. a Marvel villain. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So now we're just waiting for. Uh, <laughs> so now we're just waiting for uh, Orlando Bloom to make his Marvel his MCU right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey. All right. Well, I think that's about going to wrap us up uh, for this episode. Again, if y'all have been enjoying the conversation, feel free to share us, uh, share us around with your friends and family. We'll catch you on the, uh, in two weeks. Bye. Bye.